From lifestyle, fitness, beauty, travel, relationships, and self-care, Steph's got you covered. Welcome to your safe space, where you can stop what you're doing, relax, and let someone else do the heavy lifting for once. This is the Luxury Dropout Podcast with your host, Stephanie Joplin. up fellow dropouts it's me stephanie joplin coming to you with another episode of the luxury dropout podcast today we've got dr jill mcdevitt with us she is a sexologist the only sexologist in the world with three academic degrees in sexuality she is a sexuality educator trainer author she's held over three thousand sexuality workshops to date so She's basically a sex goddess. So we're going to get all of our questions answered. So whether you're in a relationship, whether you're single, whether you are in your teens and curious all the way up to in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and wondering how to keep your sex life alive, talk to your partner, communicate, introduce new things, um, how to communicate with your partner in general about sex and some of the red flags to look for if you're not sexually compatible with a partner as well. We literally cover the gamut today. So buckle up. It's about to get really wild. I will say um, viewer and listener discretion advised probably for 18 and under. Use your discretion if you want to use this um, to educate your younger daughters and sons. I think it's perfectly normal, but you might want to give it a listen first before you pass on the information to the younger audience. So without further ado, we will take you into my interview here with Dr. Jill on the Luxury Dropout. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Luxury Dropout Podcast with me, Stephanie Joplin. Today, I am welcoming Dr. Jill McDevitt to the show. Hi, Dr. Jill. How are you? Wonderful. So glad to be here. Oh, yes. I'm so, so blessed to have you. We have a lot of questions for you today, and they they run the gamut of general questions to more specific to relationships. So we've got a lot of very interested people, um, you know, following on, on IG, and they just have a lot of questions. And so do I, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll just, I'll get right into it. Um, sure. We'll start, maybe we'll start with a few general, we'll go to a few relationship, we'll kind of go back and forth to appease you know both sides of the coin um so for for in general questions um i want to start with masturbation because you know that just seems to be such a taboo subject you posted yesterday um this amazing post i loved the post and it was basically like you know how we are just so polarized by sex in this country and mm. it's like seen as such this you know um this no-no to talk about online and everyone is just, you know, very hush-hush about it. But then in reality, underneath, we're all like dying to get laid. We're all dying to be touched. We're all, you know, dying for that physical love and attention. Um, and so it doesn't make sense that we're so taboo about sex sometimes. So whenever I've talked about masturbation, people reach out to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you talked about masturbation on your story. That's crazy. And I'm like, well, I masturbate. I don't know about you, um, <laughs> but I kind of want to talk. Yeah, right. So I want to talk about. Can you tell me why it is important to self-explore? Um, you know, even without a partner, just on your own. Yeah, I mean, on the most basic level, it's your 
own body. So my question is more like, what is going on? You know, if one person doesn't want to touch their own body for whatever reason, fine. If it's not their thing, fine. But to be upset that other people are touching their own bodies <laughs> is really absurd when you start to break it down. Like, imagine like, oh, I, I have an eyelash I need to sweep out with my face. Don't touch your own eye. You can't <laughs> touch your own eye. Don't brush your own teeth. Don't put your own hand on your own hip. It becomes absurd that it's really only about the genitals. And right, like you are mentioning about my post the other day about our cultural norms that sex um, is um, offensive, but violence is not. And so it's right. not only that we don't talk about sex, but then we do consume violence. Mm -hmm. And so that juxtaposition is really, I think, indicative of, of some of the social ills that we have and why masturbation is such a topic that gets pushed back when you, when you discuss it. And, you know, why, why would that same person maybe be okay with watching, um, an ax murderer, um, you know, show or, or podcast on serial killers, but you talk about masturbation as suddenly offensive, like sit, let's sit with that. Cause that's right. just, there's a quote, um, I forgot who to credit to this. It's an old quote about something like, if you stab a breast in a movie, that can be rated PG-13. But if you kiss a breast in a movie, now we're talking X-rated. Um, so it's really just a bizarre. So to so with that context and, and your question to why, you know, the pushback against talking about it is that you are tapping into that really deep-seated gut reaction that we've all been raised in in this society that there's something wrong with this and um so you're you're kind of pushing them on you're making them uncomfortable you're making them face their own shit basically right, <laughs> right. and uh now why that's there to begin with that's a whole deeper story like how the heck we ended up this way as a society um but yeah you're challenging them yeah, definitely challenging mm -hmm. them, getting, getting people. I always say, I love making people uncomfortable because I'm making them grow. I feel like that is something I say a lot, um, mm -hmm. you know, and getting them out of their comfort zone. Like you said, it's funny to me because I, I was raised as a first generation American culturally, my family and like, you know, my family is Italian and Egyptian. So culturally it's a bit more strict but in the end it's like when I went to Italy I was saying boobs on the you know and breasts and you know body parts on the tv all the time and it was like sex was more open but yet nobody really told me about masturbation growing up I had to self-discover that um you know my my mom was you know, if I had a question, she's always open with me, but we never really sat down and had like a birds and bees, you know, cliche conversation. Um, she always was like, are you having sex? Do you need protection? Like she always was asking those questions. Um, but it's funny how the roles kind of are between American and the rest of the world. I, I had on my Instagram live, um, this, this gentleman from Egypt actually, and he's like, sex is so taboo here to talk about and I want to have sex and I want to talk about it but like we're not supposed to have sex till marriage um but yet it's okay to have the ads with the breasts out it's just I don't know it seems upside down to me what are your thoughts well I think that that point is you can use sex to control or manipulate a situation it for like an advertisement. If you mm -hmm. want to have uh, a woman 
like with large breasts and a sexy outfit, selling hamburgers, selling cars, selling whatever. That's okay because it's um, objectified. Okay. Masturbation, by definition, is empowering to oneself. You are taking control. Someone else isn't putting you on a pedestal and using your body to make money or to make a political point or to do anything. It takes the power from the observer mm. into the person. And that, I believe, is the part that makes people uncomfortable. It's not body parts. It's not touching, doing, it's not the orgasm. It's not the masturbation. It's literally how dare you take your body back from public consumption? How <laughs> dare you do something on your own and not need others and not follow the rules, right, of, of the of the way we look at bodies and sexuality? Right. So I think that's what it is. I think. Um, I had made a post about uh, a while ago on Instagram about Madonna had posted a picture of herself and she's like in her sixties looking very, you know, in her bra and underwear looking, you know, looking great and, and, and not giving a shit and she's owning it. What were they saying to Madonna? Oh, like put some clothes on grandma Ew. and like cover up. You're too old for that. And stuff. Ew. so sexist and ages to boot. And I was like, you don't understand the whole point of Madonna. Like Madonna's Madonna and how she's yeah. dumb is that she's doing this on her own terms. She's like, I'm going to own this process. And that's what makes people uncomfortable. Not so much that she's dancing in these music videos in the 90s in her underwear or posting on Instagram in her 60s in her underwear. It's that she isn't beholden to the rules. Right. She's a free agent. She's powerful. And that scares people. Definitely. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so with, so with exploring your body, exploring masturbation, um, do most people start out with clitoral stimulation as a woman? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm asking for female audience, obviously. Um, is that where most women start out? They do. Okay. And, yeah, I for for many well pre pre COVID I haven't done it in a year and a half two years now, but um, one of the main parts of my job for many years was was doing these classes called female orgasm and I would go to all types of different organizations where women gather and I would do these classes thirty thousand women over my career so far have taken wow. this female orgasm class and parts of the classes I ask people about their first experiences having an orgasm if they've ever had one and often it's from masturbation. Often it's from specifically clitoral yep. stimulation of some kind, and it's very creative. Some people are like, I was under the bath faucet. I was riding a bike. I was climbing yeah. a... <laughs> yeah. Um, so anything that's... I was exercising. Anything that's kind of grinding, uh, humping their pillows, you know, anything that kind of grinds the clitoris against something is, is really how, yeah, most people start to explore. Like, oh, this feels good. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, let's circle back to this. <laughs> so if you're like a progressive mom, right? And you have a daughter that's say 16, 17, and you're in, or maybe even younger, I don't know. Um, I, I can't say because I don't have a kid. But you know, would you start talking to them about masturbation? Is that do you think that that's okay? Do you think that that's acceptable for those who are maybe doubting and saying that's just pushing them towards sex? What what would you say to them? The data does not just uh, support that. I mean, we've been <laughs> studying this for many, many years. And really, when you talk to young people about sex, 
It's not like you're giving them the idea. They're not like, oh, gee, I'm going to go try this. Like, we've yeah. all figured it out on our own, right? Right. Feeling it, hiding it, making it scary, hasn't stopped any of us. Uh-huh. Um, so it just really just doesn't work. What it does do is it makes people feel less ashamed, embarrassed, confused, um, looking for the information that they're not getting from their parents or school or some reliable, someplace less reliable that you mm-hmm. need, you know, this is, the average age is 11 of the first time a child comes across internet pornography. Wow. So if you're not telling them, they're going to go find it somewhere else. You create right. a information vacuum. Mm-hmm. You're also showing yourself, you know, it's unrealistic, right? Like think about when you were 17. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, right? So it just makes the kid feel like you're out of touch. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not somebody who can be trusted with a question. They're going to go find it on the internet. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just not. So yeah. Um, but it doesn't always have to be the big sit down question, you know, right. it could be sprinkled over the lifetime of the child in age appropriate ways, you know, it doesn't have to be like one big conversation as a teenager. I was just thinking, you know, um, perhaps, I mean, even with, I, I didn't have sex till I lost my virginity, um, with my now ex-husband, um, and he was my fiance at the time. So I did wait because I felt this enormous pressure from the cultural side of my family, but that's not to say I wasn't doing stuff, right? That's not to say I wasn't sexually active in some way. Um, so masturbation wise, I did start younger and I can't help but think, you know, maybe if we start talking to, um, young ladies and, and, you know, young men discover, well, they really discover things on their own. It's a little easier for men. Let's be honest. Um, but, but they can see it, so yeah, helps. right. It's just, it's there and it's, you know, sometimes they wake up and it's ready to go. Right. So not for us. Um, <laughs> but you know, if we talk to them about it, maybe that would satisfy that craving, you know, sexually, and then in turn, possibly prevent them from being sexually active before they're supposed to be. This is going through my head and I don't know if I'm way off base. Yeah. I mean, the more you know and are comfortable in your own body, the more you can set boundaries. You can talk about what you like, what you don't like. You're not necessarily motivated by pure lust, you know, because you have your own outlet. Um, I'm not sure of the research and the correlation between those two things, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that I was, was just true. thinking, cause you know, I know that, that, um, young men and women are having sex. Like you said, uh, I mean, 12, 13 years old, it just seems so young and like knowing what I do now about sex and how connected I feel to a person, if I choose to have sex with them, it, to me, it's such an important thing. I know a a lot of people view it differently, but for me personally, um, you know, if it were up to me, I, you know, I definitely would have been more selective, I guess I could say, because not that, not out of shame, but out of, I feel like every time, you know, I have sex with someone, I give them a piece of myself. That's how I feel. Um, like a piece of my energy in a way. And it's not like I'm damaged or body count matters. I don't believe in any of that, but I truly believe I wish, you know, I think that having the education about masturbation would have been beneficial. And, and what, and what sex even is, right? Like when we talk about, oh, you should talk to young children and not wait till they're 17 to talk about sex, people body parts and fluids and like, ah, oh, I don't want to talk to my kid about that. Yeah. But talking about things like, well, how do you be selective? How do you know? How do you trust your gut? 
mm-hmm. about what's right. How do you talk about it? How do you like that sex education? That's I think smart. 11 year olds should be able to have that type of training. Um, so yeah, I think sex education is a lot bigger. Um, also, and that's so, even, yeah. that's, that's great. I mean, gosh, that is actually a mind blowing, like little revelation. That's like, how do you, how are you selective and you know how do you make sure you trust your gut that I think that's a wonderful point so thank mm-hmm. you for bringing that up yeah. um so I want to talk about um mat- you know again with masturbation with clitoral stimulation I have heard and tell me if this is a myth that mm-hmm. if you are clitorally stimulating say with a vibrator um something that is buzzing you know um it, mm-hmm. will that desensitize you for sex and make it harder for you to orgasm during sex so um, the only study that's been done on this, to my knowledge, was from 2009. I'd be interested to, to find, you know, for an update. What they found is that um, there's, an, like, in the short term, right? So, like, maybe an hour later, it might still feel desensitized. Right. But as, like, a life problem, like, oh, now next time I have sex or... I masturbate, oh, I'm single for a year and then I find a partner and now I go to have sex and I can't, I can't do it. You know, that's, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. What's, what's always interesting to me is that, that fear, because I get that question a lot. Like, is, are, are, is masturbation going to ruin me? Is sex <laughs> going to ruin me? And I've never had men, cis men ask me that. No, nobody with a penis has ever been like, if I jerk off, is this going to cause a problem? Only women or people with vulvas have asked me this. So I, I'm like, I'm curious. Like, what do we, are we afraid that like, what, what, what is the fear that, what, yeah. say, what if it were true? What if it did desensitize? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I, it's curious to me that we're like very concerned about not being able to be um, what men expect during sex. You know, what do they want? And yeah. 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 I mean, a lot of people worry about the way their body looks during sex They're in their Mm -hmm. head a lot. They can't come just because of that. And I I always tell other women, I'm like, I promise you that man is not looking at your fat roll. Like I I promise (laughs) he he does not care about that fat roll that you're so concerned about. He's too busy worrying about body stuff too. Cause I hear both sides of it in my work. You know, my clients are all walks of life and I'll have different partners they're all in their own head everybody's too worried about their own stuff to be (laughs) oh yeah absolutely um so tips for like tips for great oral sex like obviously um you know we we have the basics but if we're going to go a little bit more into detail about let's start with like the female um orgasm what do you recommend that a man do that will help um you know, make the process more enjoyable for a woman? I think what seems to be missing um, is the communication. Like, I think that there's the expectation that we put on ourselves that we're supposed to be great at this. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be better than their exes, supposed to look hotter doing it than than, than people (laughs) in porn. We're supposed to be really great at this. And oral sex, like anything else, is a skill that takes time and practice. Good to know. And we're not going to be good at it immediately. <laughs> and everybody is different, right? Like some one person might have loved this technique or loved it this way, and the new person or new partner um, does not respond the same way. And so really the skill is communication and being able to ask 
do you like this? Is this too hard? Do you prefer, because some people prefer not going straight for the clit. Some people do want it to go straight. Some people like sucking. Some people like clicking. Some people like fingers at the same time. Some people do not, you yes. know? So there's, so the best way to give oral sex is the way that the person you're giving it to likes. And there's only one way to find out what that is. And that is yeah. to ask. So, um, the mouth can be used for talking as well as it can be used for right for oral sex. Yeah. Okay. And that, I mean, that goes both ways, uh, for, mm-hmm. for women to ask men as well. Um, yes. you know, what, what their preferences are. Do you want, do you want it fast? Do you want it slow? Do you want me to use my hands? No hands. Do you want me to, you know, cup mind the stepchildren as I like to call it, um, or what? Uh, so that, that yeah. makes sense too. That's great advice. Um, actually that's, that's a question directly from a girlfriend of mine. She was like, I want to know how to suck dick good. And I'm like, okay, I'll ask Dr. Jill that exact question. Um, <laughs> she's I do have, I used to, in, in addition to female orgasm class, I have a, I have a lot of classes and one of them was a fellatio class. It was a kind of a fun thing. We had carrots and I teach the techniques and the hands and the mouth and the tongue and all the things. So it's, it's kind of fun, you know, because there are some techniques that are commonly enjoyed, Um, but yeah, it really does come down to confidence and being able to communicate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Confidence is huge, I think. And, um, you know, if you're not relaxed, I think that could make a negative experience too, for, for both parties. (laughs) just relax be calm um yeah absolutely uh now you know later like when I got to 30 all of a sudden men were asking for anal sex this had never happened before I hit 30 and I you know I've tried it I tried it um you know in a very serious relationship where I trusted the person I hate it. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate it, but there's a lot of people that yeah. do enjoy it. Um, do you get a lot of questions about how, how to enjoy anal sex, how to be able to do it? Do you ask your, you know, do you ask your clients, like, why is it that you're wanting to do it? Is, is it for you or for your partner? You know, I mean, what, how do you handle those? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with oral sex too. They don't like oral sex, but they feel like they should because their partner likes it. And, 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 and there's, there's complicated nuance and balance between like sexual generosity and the things we do for a partner because they like it. Um, and then the things that are like, Oh, I hate this. This is a hard no, like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. Yeah. Um, if you're in the first category, you're like, I don't love it, but I'll do it. Um, how can I like it more? I think one thing to consider other than the obvious, you know, the lubes and the taking it slow and all those things that people always say, um, is, is reframing what, like anal sex doesn't have to be a penis going in and out thrusting in an anus. There's that's what, just like vaginal intercourse. Like there's many ways to have sex, Okay. but we just get very stuck in these, uh, penetration things there. There's just, other ways that it can be enjoyed, Mm -hmm. you know? So that is the part that you're like, that part for whatever I don't like is painful or uncomfortable or whatever it may be. There's other ways to do it. There's fingers and toys and tongues and and, uh, strap-ons. I mean, there's, there's just so many ways to play. So if that's your thing, like start with the other things, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) do those things for a while. Um, 
and and kind of build up your your enjoyment of it you know so every time you have an anal sex experience it's not like i hate this it's like every but every time they ask it's always in that one format like there's there's no other definition for them it's like the penetration with the anus like they don't have any other it's always like oh let's do this i'm like let's not do that and that brings me to another question um i guess because mm-hmm. you know usually like the i haven't had like a serious partner in quite some time so you know, I can easily say no and not feel bad about it. But if you are in a loving relationship and a serious relationship, how do you say no to your partner without a hurting their feelings or b killing the mood? I don't know that either of those are bad things. And I think <laughs> that's the first part that I, that I try to impart on people. Like I get a question similar, like, well, how do I do this or that without it being awkward? And it's like, well, what's wrong with things being awkward? You know, what's, what's wrong with killing you? If you're not interested, mm-hmm. sometimes you're, you know, you can, and you know, you can, as far as not hurting someone's feelings, short of being like, ew, you're disgusting. Never touch me again. You're foul. I hate you. I'm so repulsed by your body. Okay. That's rude. And would probably hurt someone's feelings. Um, yeah. But, um, but like, no, no, I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. If that hurts someone's feelings, they need to cut. They that that's when we need to talk to someone like me. That's when we right. need to call up someone like me because that is, um, that's not a that's not a sensible reaction yeah. to get your feelings hurt so much because someone isn't interested. Yeah, um, that you feel that they now feel like they can't say no. Mm-hmm. That's that's troubling. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of some internal work of like, what's coming up for you that this is so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Okay, good to know that as well. Um, okay, so let's see. So we talked about this a little bit, like how to ask for what you need in the bedroom. I think you just said it, you said just straightforward communication, basically just no beating around the bush, just straightforward. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, uh, I don't know if, if I remember in like, fifth grade, we had this kind of silly at the time seemed like healthy communication. It wasn't sex related, just communication in life of like I statements. Like when you do this, I feel this. I mean, like practice it in the room, role play and stuff like this. And you're like, yeah. oh my gosh. But it's, it really works. And it works really well with sex. And I have a lot of my clients do kind of modified versions of this, like this kind of communication. Like I want this, or when this happens, I need that. And it can be a really helpful way of asking for what you want without um, re- with reducing the odds of hurting someone's feelings or coming off as a combative or mm-hmm. argumentative, but just saying what you need, saying what you want yeah, and be straightforward and not over-explaining too. Right. That can be tricky. Yeah, that is a little tricky. Um, I would say, you know, from personal experience, I like I have a certain way that I orgasm. And so I I communicate that to my partner. And I try not to go into like why or how this came to be, you know, or whatever. I just say what it is. Um, because, and, 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 you know, backstory is, you know, when I was with my ex-husband, I was able to come vaginally and ever since that was like a five-year relationship, probably my longest. And I haven't been able to really since it's only been so through penetration and then stimulating my, my clit. So I, you know, I kind of have to like tell them that, that I can't come vaginally and that, you know, I want them to like, stop 
penetrating and then I can finish um, with them still inside. So I explain it and I don't say, well, it's because my ex-husband and I used to, you know, like, I think that would probably throw them off. Like mm-hmm. if I started talking mm-hmm. about my ex-husband, so <laughs> hopefully I'm doing a good job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely make it awkward. <laughs> I think there's something to be said about just, um, right? Like people talk about this idea of like normalizing and they usually say it like, they don't like that society is normalizing something, whatever it is, how we're treating this, we're normalizing it. Um, but we can use that same tactic in positive ways of just treating the thing like it's normal because it is. So right. just being like, I'm going to need you, like, do this thing, you know, that you just described how you how you need to orgasm. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's normal. Like, because, you know, or like um, a big one comes up with, like, how do you bring in a sex toy? How do you say I want to... Oh, can I, can I, I have sex toys readily available on my desk. How do I introduce this? How do I tell my partner I want to try this? And I I went to the story about this and I was reading and I think it should be okay. It it can be too much. Just being like, it's normal to use that. Hey, you want to bring up the sex toy? It can be that simple. People are like, yes. How do I ask for lube? Hey, can you get some more lube? (laughs) There's a bottle in the drawer. Yeah. And now they have to either be awkward, uncomfortable, have their feelings hurt, think it's weird. And then that's their own stuff because you've set the tone that asked for these normal things. Yeah. So they can say, sure, that's normal. Let's do that. Or that's normal, but not my thing. Got it. But it's, it's a require them to have a debate about, right. about it. Well, why do you need lube? Am I not turning you on enough? Blah, blah. It doesn't have to turn into all of that. Because right. it's just you're kind of setting the tone that it's normal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna expose myself here. I'm gonna do normal it. I'm gonna normalize exposing myself is what I'm gonna mm-hmm. do. Um, mm-hmm. And because I'm, I'm gonna put this out there because I am sure that I am not the only person on the whole planet that has gone through this. So I'm just gonna say it. Um, but my yeah. last boyfriend was really weird when it came to sex, and I don't I don't, I don't mean to shame him, but I want to talk about it because I was struggling super hard with it. So first of all, he has been, he, before me, he was in a 10 year relationship with his baby mama and they weren't married. They were engaged. They broke up. And so when we first started, you know, like getting intimate, um, he told me he had never performed oral sex on a woman like ever. And it turned out to be true. Like I thought he was bullshitting me. I thought he was just saying that. But it turned out to be true. He never, he never did. And so first question, if a man refuses to go down on you, is that a red flag? And is that a reason to end a relationship? I think if that is a deal breaker for someone, I think that's fair. Okay. Um, you know, um, there's something, there's a tool I use called the yes, no, maybe more. And it lists... 50, 100, it's like a huge list of different sex acts. And you get together with a person and say, this is on my yes list, this is on my no list, this is maybe, I need a little more information or maybe in some situations, birthday sex, but not every, not Tuesday night, or like as a as a fantasy, like we can talk about it or fantasize about it, but we don't really want to do it and all these different categories. So if you're, and then there's more. Like, I, w- I want all of the things all the time. So if, like, receiving oral sex is on your more list, like, this is 
really important to me. I want it. I need it. It's like the only way I can orgasm. Like I need to have it. It's like, it's a thing. And someone else is on their no, hard no. Well, this is not sexually compatible. Mm, mm, mm. So in that case, I think that would be a no harm, no foul reason to end a relationship. It's nobody's fault. It's too right. incompatible. It's two incompatibilities just right. coming together. Like one person wants kids and the other person doesn't. There's no wrong way. It's not wrong to want or not want kids. It's just this is not going to work. Right. Um, if what you know, and and then people change throughout their life, right? Like so maybe they enjoy oral sex and you go together for years and years and oral sex is happening and then something changes for there's many things that I've seen change. And now you're in your 40s and you've been married, and now oral sex is suddenly off the table. Well, that's a whole different ballgame. Do you end this marriage over this? Do you end this relationship over this? Um, you know, are there other ways to satisfy that need? Or you know, so. Um, but if you're like starting a relationship and they're like, "I don't go, to, I don't give oral sex," and you're like, "Well, I kind of really like it." I think if you're like, "This isn't going to work," I don't think you know that that's like anything one should feel guilty about. They're like, sorry, that's important yeah. to me. Well, because he wanted he wanted oral sex, right? And it's not a deal breaker for me, but I, I would kind of, I'd kind of be like an asshole about it. I'd be like, okay, well, you can go down on me and I'll go down on you. Like, you know, and he would just be like, and it, it wasn't like he, it wasn't like an innately uncomfortable thing for him. It was like almost as if he had this manly, like it was like a manly man thing. Like manly men don't go down on women. Like that was his mentality. Like that's not what a man mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. Like a man's function is to yeah. penetrate only. Like that was his kind of mentality. Um, right. And, you know, cause for example, we, I tried to have him watch 50 shades with me and he got like visibly upset by it. Like we got an argument over it and he almost left my house because he was like so uncomfortable with the SNM and like the Dom sub type of stuff. Like he was just very upset by it. And I was just like, I mean, obviously we were not sexually compatible. There's no, there's no question in my mind, but looking back on it, I'm just like, should I have just dropped the relationship right there? Should I have tried to keep on going like for other reasons? I mean, I don't like, I don't know. Crazy. I mean, it was just, right. I've never been in a relationship like that. Well, I think to your, to, to your, um, to, to the piece you explained about like, oh, well, he still wanted oral sex for me. And I said, well, I'll do it for you if you do it for me. Yeah. I mean, um, you were, it sounds like you were resentful. Mm -hmm. And so if like, yeah, then end it, right? Like right. if you're going to feel like, because the feeling is resentment comes from something doesn't feel fair, right? Yeah. Like we know what justice feels like in our gut. And if something does not feel fair, we get resentful. And so if you're like, okay, well, this sucks, but I like you and I'll make it work fine. But if you're like, oh no, oh, you want me to go down on you and you're going to do it for me? Like, yeah, I can get out. Like he's just not. And then you also noticed going into the trust your gut thing, like you noticed it wasn't just like, he doesn't like it. It was like a misogynist thing. He thought it was too good to please you. Right. And so you picked up on that, which probably made you feel resentful too. Yeah. Well, I have yeah. a big injustice wound already that I am trying to heal and he would like flare up my injustice wound like real quick. So like, for mm -hmm. example, I went off birth control for the first time in 19 years um, and I told him we had to use condoms and he's like, I don't use condoms. I, I, I was in a relationship for 10 years before this and I never used condoms. I don't use those. 
and I, and he like refute like straight up refused to use a condom and guess you had to go get plan B like twice, you know? I mean, I just like, it just pissed me off so bad. And he had, like you said, this misogynist type of attitude towards like, yeah, you can, you can take care of it. Like you can just go get that, the plan B, no big deal. Like he's not even worried about it. And he already has one child that he rarely sees. So I'm just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to be pregnant. So you know, that's my decision, but it was really difficult because I, I did like the guy. I liked a lot of other things about him, but in, in sexual, you know, in our sexual relations and our sexual, um, like even the, the health of our sexual relationship, it was just really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 It doesn't, it doesn't sound like it was a good fit. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a that's a double entendre right there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, uh, sometimes I wish when we when we had these conversations, like we could do a whole hour just on this. I know, right? because there's so much nuance of like how to negotiate these things. So it doesn't. Ha- I mean, sometimes it can be like this isn't going to work. It needs to act. You refuse to wear a condom. I need to not be pregnant. This is the way that I want to use. Like, I'm not going to be on birth control. Like we can't then, I mean, you know, but there are like ways to negotiate and ways to find middle ground in some cases, but it's very hard to explain, you know, in two minutes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And I have so many, so many other questions. I know we can go on forever, but the consensus is y'all is that, you know, notice try to try to notice it quicker than I did (laughs) and just say to yourself you know hey we are not compatible sexually and that can be a thing like sex sex may not be everything but it is a lot to me I think it's really important to be intimate and I don't just mean sexually intimate I mean intimate period with your partner yes yeah I think I feel like there's a societal message that if you would break up with somebody just for a sexual reason that that would make you shallow or you know some type of negative connotation to that like oh he didn't do oral sex you broke up with him oh, you know like that would be a judgment and right. i think that's a shame right because you'd be like well should i is this vain to to dump him over that but like sometimes it's just it's not gonna work yeah yeah exactly um okay so going into a few relationship questions here yeah. um let's see so what about let's talk about uh, noise and like noise during sex, right? Cause I, I, I've had a lot of partners and a lot of friends with partners that just are completely quiet during sex. And it just, yeah. it's, it's like, even if they ask for it, it's very difficult to have their partner make noise. And it's almost like they're ashamed to make noise. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about making noise? Yeah. Um, during yeah. sex? Yeah. Yes. So there's lots of reasons people make noise. And there's actually some really cool research on this. Sometimes we make the noise because it's just, we can't even help it. It just like comes out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but suddenly there's also like little feedback we're giving, like more of this or less of this, or we're, we're subconsciously trying to connect or, or you know, arouse them or give feedback. And it, it's kind of like this very intricate little dance of communication nonverbal communication that we're doing. Um, and so a lot of people do 
do like to hear it from their partner because of those reasons. It feels like, oh, I know what they like. It turns me on to hear it, all those things. But on the flip side, some people feel bashful about making the noise because it's indicative of losing control. You're literally making these primal noises. It's very vulnerable. Um, people can feel self-conscious about the way that they sound. I've heard that from quite a number of people over the years. <laughs> yeah, they, just I don't want to hear it either. I don't want to hear it back. That's fine. <laughs> um, and then times this is all the dirty talk. They, you know, they get all you know, open their heads about right. about that type of thing during sex. And so, yeah. So, um, so I think kind of really tapping into just what what feels natural. You know, getting into the body and out of the head. That's a lot of the work I do with clients. We're in our heads all the time. And then sex is one of the rare opportunities we can just be in the body. We don't have to do the cognitive functions. We don't have to think and evaluate and judge and problem solve. Like we can just like exist and be and feel and sense. And we still like want to be in our head and be like, does this sound too loud? This is weird. Is this moaning too much? Is he faking it? Why isn't he moaning? Why isn't she moaning? This is not good. Like, it's just the chatter, right? And so we can just like kind of allow ourselves to drop into the body and feel the sensations. And if the noises come out, they come out. Um, it tends to be a more pleasant experience for folks to just like feel uninhibited, you know, to like, let it go. Let yeah. it come out. I have always advised my girlfriends um, when they asked me about this, that if you are more comfortable and share and talk and try to incorporate them and just, you know, talk to them, then they will in turn open up a little bit more with you. So like the more vulnerable you are, I think they'll kind of try to meet you a little bit more. And that's been help helpful advice for me. Yeah, because incremental level of vulnerability. Like I'm letting you in a little, you let me in a little. Okay, right. that feels safe and more. Right. And for sure. Yeah. Good advice. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, what do you think about scheduling sex? I know that this is something that I have read and they, you know, they advise that it can be exciting to schedule sex. And to me, it doesn't seem like a turn on, but you let me know what you think. Cause I don't have children again. So again, this might be for couples with kids that need to schedule something. Tell me what you think. I think it can be a very valuable tool for the right people in the right situation okay um and i have assigned it um for clients that i've worked with a number of times over the years i've used it myself on and off at different times in my uh life for different reasons and just different things going on in life um that it was a useful tool so it doesn't have to be a forever thing it doesn't have to be okay. like this is how we do it now um it can for whatever reason be something that you choose to reach a certain end, okay. um, you know, and, and one of the things is, is kind of almost what we were talking about a second ago, like we're all in our heads all the time and we're on the phones and constantly bombarded with stimulation. And so to switch gears into the body and all that goes on physiologically during sexual arousal and getting things started sexually can be very difficult for people. So if they schedule it, it kind of makes those shifts happen early because they're like, oh, tomorrow night. Oh, tonight. Oh, you know, and it kind of builds your mind to that. Mm -hmm. Also, um, not having as much sex as you want can, for some people in some situations, be like a bad, like you just 
getting out of a habit of sex is pretty common. It's kind of like a bad habit where you just stop doing it um, yeah. for no particular reason other than it's like it's like you stop going to the gym and then you just stop and then you just never go back. <laughs> you know, like one of those. Um, yeah. So so scheduled sex can be good in that way to get you back into a habit, and it doesn't have to always be these nights, these times, forever. But okay. just by doing it scheduled, you get back to the to the groove. Okay. Yeah. Um, now this is an interesting one. Is do you think it is quote unquote bad? to fantasize about other people when you are having sex with your partner? No. Okay. So, okay. So if they ask you straight up, if they say, were you thinking about someone else? What do you do? I, (laughs) I feel like I would lie. I'm sorry. I think, well, I'm trying to think about what I would do versus like a professional opinion. Cause sometimes it's right. I know. Sometimes I just think like telling them the truth would be devastating. I feel like I would be devastated if my partner was fantasizing about another woman. I mean, just knowing that I'd rather not know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So that's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about what would behoove someone to ask their partner this question, because we have very little, little, precious little in this world, but what goes on in our own brain is one of the things that we own and we own that if someone wants to know i mean don't ask a question you don't want the answer to kind of thing yeah uh, yeah because i mean i don't think that's cheating i don't don't think there's anything wrong like the brain is the brain and so someone's like i'm going to do my own brain thing and someone else is like i'm going to inquire about what you're doing in your brain you might not like the answer yeah, and I, I don't I don't think it's like boredom for me. I think sometimes it's just like what turns me on at that moment. I don't know. I mean, that's what's cool about the human brain. The human brain is the, the one of the only things in the world that like simulates things that aren't real. Like mm-hmm. dogs think about the fact that they're sitting there licking their own ass. Like that's <laughs> what they're doing and that's what they're thinking about. They're doing it and they're thinking about it. They're not like, I wonder if I went outside and ran around I might catch a squirrel. If I caught a squirrel, I might run up a tree. Like they don't like what ifs and and simulate future potential scenarios. Humans get to do that. It's one of the cool things about us. It makes us innovative. It makes us creative. Um, And we get to do it sexually. We get to fantasize about people we've never want to have sex with, doing things we might not actually like to do. (laughs) And um, if someone wants to be in that world and share your fantasies, cool. But like... Mm -hmm. If they're like, are you thinking about someone else because that makes them jealous or hurt? Um, I think almost my thesis here of our conversation is <laughs> maybe we don't have as much uh, responsibility for other people's hurt feelings as like we're made to believe with relationships. Like, yes, pe- treat people kindly and don't be cruel, but like if they're going to get their feelings hurt because you're fantasizing about someone else, then that is a different... <laughs> A different whole different conversation maybe yeah yeah okay yeah makes sense to me i mean i just personally i would not i if 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 a dude is having sex with me and he's thinking about some other girl cool like just don't don't let me know i'm good without knowing and i'm not gonna ask so yeah um not that that would ever happen because i'm just you know i'm perfect so (laughs) jk guys i'm joking i'm joking um so in terms of um 
open marriages and open relationships. Do you believe that it's possible? Because I feel like you would have to literally have no primal wounds, like no, nothing going on, like where you are, you know, you have some sort of like a detachment from, um, like ownership over the person or the relationship or jealousy, mm-hmm. like, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is it possible to have a healthy open marriage and relationship? It is possible. I have seen it. It is not possible for as many people as think want to get into it. So I think that's where you see it spectacularly exploding, failing. Um, and, and then we're feeling like, how could it even be possible? And I, but um, it's just, just not for everybody. Like I was saying with like oral sex is a skill. It takes practice. Um, being in an open relationship with multiple people uh, is takes a ton of work. It's a ton of communication skills and emotional intelligence. And um, it can work if people are willing to acquire all of those skills. Um, yeah. But I feel like a lot of people are just like, oh, I got to have sex with two people. No one gets angry. Great. And it's really not that simple. And that's what implodes <laughs> to a million pieces. Um, but yes, it is possible. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's helpful because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Every time I see a depiction of it. So most recently I was watching you season three on Netflix. Oh, I'm in it. I'm in, I'm in, I'm on episode five. No okay. spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. No spoilers, <laughs> but like just no spoilers, but like there is something around that that comes up. To that? Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And so, you know, of course we're talking about two characters that are I mean, absolutely. There's every wound possible in them, mm-hmm. right? They're just not healthy, you know, minded characters. Um, you could mm-hmm. say, even though we yeah. love them, we love love and Joe, <laughs> like oddly, we love them. Um, but you know, I think that you just have to be. For me, I, I almost look at it as like you're like near enlightenment if you can be in a successful open marriage and relationship. Because I can, I cannot imagine being okay with another woman touching like what I think is quote unquote mine. I don't want to say mine as in I own the guy because I don't ever own someone, but Mm -hmm. mine, like my, my love, my, you know, my intimate partner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not for me personally. It's not for me, (laughs) but, um, but monogamy isn't for some and yeah, yeah, I've seen it work well and hard. What, what do you think about people who say monogamy isn't natural? What do you say to them? A lot of things aren't natural. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean, um, I mean, the entire institution of marriage, yes. I mean, we made that up. But um, I think that it, it kind of feels like when people say that it's a justification for behavior that they just want to justify. So just justif- just do the thing, you know, just do it. Yeah. You want to have, like, just, you know, um, if it doesn't feel natural for you, if it feels constricting, that's fair. But I think to say it's not natural is a wide brush. To right. Yeah. I feel like that too. I mean, I, I do feel like monogamy is a choice, right? Like you have to choose your partner every day. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like, you know, if marriage or monogamy is unnatural to you, then don't go through the motions of it with someone and then expect them to adhere to your beliefs that monogamy is natural. 
that's, I think that's what I want to say. <laughs> and it's also right. If we're talking about monogamy of behavior, this is where the fantasizing should be allowed, right? Could be allowed peacefully. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it's, if it's like, I, my brain wants to fantasize about different things. Fine. I'm not going to do it because I have a commitment to you. And we said we wouldn't. Um, I think that's a probably more realistic thing. Okay. Then, you know what I mean? Like don't, don't have sex with anybody else, but also don't think about having sex with anybody else. Like that's a tall order for probably a lot of people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good luck. Um, good luck with that one. My, my brain will do whatever it wants. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, let's see. What do you think about, um, let me ask you, okay, about body count, right? So like this huge thing right now about body count and how it's, you know, just so unfair for, because the for men, it's like the more body count you have, like the more badass you are, the more suave you are, the more cool you are. And then for women, the higher body count is like your slut, right? So talk to me a little bit about body count because I hate this because it's like, First of all, why are you asking and why do you care? Um, if you're asking about STDs, if you're asking about getting tested, that's one thing, right? But if you're asking me how many men I've slept with, what does that say about you? That's what I want to know. Well, kind of to build off the conversation we're just having, um, it's like, okay, right? So in a monogamous relationship, we're like, we want to own their sexuality. Like they can't have sex with anybody else and now we're like oh we have to also own their mind and they can't fantasize about anybody else and now let's and we own their past and their history now this is becoming a little possessive right Mm -hmm. um and you're speaking to the the age-old double standard Mm -hmm. you know when i when i decided i wanted to be a sexologist i was like 14 15 years old and i remember being on the school bus going to ninth grade bellowing to the whole all the kids in the school bus about this thing it's a double standard it's not fair when the boys do it they're a player as we called it in the states they're a player player and the girls are slutty and they're this and i remember feeling like i i figured out something no one else knew it's like eureka once i teach this to people it won't (laughs) be a thing anymore and then i realized everybody knows this everybody sees this everybody agrees it's unfair but we're still doing it. Mm-hmm. So the best kind of advice, if you will, I have about this is kind of doing the introspective work or like how might we be inadvertently contributing to this? Mm-hmm. Are we inadvertently judging women differently than we would men? Do we have a certain way we treat men or women or a, a certain belief that we might not even notice? But, you know, so just kind of doing the internal work of like, hmm, this isn't aligned with my belief system, but it's coming up for me. I notice I actually am being a little slut shamey with women, or I am being a little judgmental about body counts. Um, because all we can do is change ourselves. Obviously, the society is very stuck on deciding that women are slutty for having sex and men are awesome. Um, so the most we can really do is like do our own, take care of our own stuff about it. I always think about Kim Kardashian because you know there's a lot of women that love her and then there's a lot of women that are like she's just famous because she had a sex tape and a lot of men say that too and Mm -hmm. I'm just like 
that really angers me a lot. And like, I I don't have any relation to Kim. I don't know her, but I I feel like she deserves a lot more credit than just to say, and not that she gives a shit. I'm sure she doesn't give a shit that people say it now. Um, But I can't imagine what she went through at the time because the internet was just starting to blow up. You know, it was like MySpace. And then it was like just starting to have like searchable platforms and things like that. So I can't imagine her feeling of like embarrassment, right? Because everyone's calling her a slut and they're calling whatever his, Ray J or whatever his name is, they're calling him, you know, like a king for like, you know, bagging her or whatever it was. Same thing with Paris Hilton. And it just, I, I, like, I, I think that that's a huge problem is like, you know, we'll say, oh, you shouldn't look at body count, but then we're still shaming people like Kim for having a sex tape. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, yeah, that's, that's slut shaming. Yeah. She was, she was slut shamed. Paris Hilton was slut shamed. Um, it's so infuriating that this continues to be a thing that we deal with in our society. And we all, every woman knows what it's like to some level, maybe not to that level. Yes. To some level be to be slut shamed. We all have, I used to do a workshop on ecologists and I used to ask people to write on a little little post-it note and I would read them anonymously and the most absurd thing oh when I was in sixth grade my bra strap was showing out of my t-shirt and everybody called me a slaughter yeah I mean just the most ridiculous I wore high heels to the fifth grade dance and I called I mean so we've all experienced experienced this um it's a machine. Yeah. The best we can do is like, make sure we're not, we're not doing it. Check ourselves. And we're like, Oh, I don't like Kim Kardashian. What's that about? Oh, she made a sex tape. You're like, Whoa. Oh, I see that judgment coming out. What is that? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, because others are going to keep doing it. So if we all like did that, then we'd all like make progress as a whole yeah. because and, and I actually do, cause I've been doing this, um, for a number of years. And that is one area that I actually have seen a lot of progress on. It makes me sad how little progress we've seen in so many areas around sexuality that I'm like, I was talking about this when I was 15 I and know. I'm 36 and still talking about it. Nothing has changed. Um, but some things have, and I feel like the, even just the term slut shaming, which used to be a very academic term that no one used outside of academia, like everybody knows it, people will recognize it. People will call it out, like not cool. Um, so I think that we are making progress on that. And even just you talking about, I don't like this body count thing. That's not fair. Like you're, you're calling it out. And the more we just keep doing this, I think the better. Yeah, it's it's bullshit to me. I I can't stand it, and I can't stand that men. I can't, can't I can't stand that that there's still men out there that ask have the fucking audacity to ask me what my body count is. Like, I'm sorry, what business is it of yours? Are you the redeemer? Like, no, I don't. I don't have to answer you. So I, I just the term body count. It sounds like mur- murders. Like, oh yeah, like serial killers have body counts to me. Like in my yeah. mind, like why does it have such a negative connotation? Not to mention, um, what kind of sex are we talking about? Like, there's yeah. so many ways to have sex. If I dry hump somebody in the ninth grade, does that count? Is that on my body count? <laughs> you know? Oh man, like, I'm, I... I'm I miss dry humping. I gotta say, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. <laughs> bring it back bring i know i should back. i should bring it back i never it never went away in my world i it's just it's i i say it's praises whenever i can work it into a conversation but yeah but like stuff like that oh does oral sex if you're laying next to somebody and you're both masturbating mutual masturbation is that sex right like mm-hmm. 
or is it only PMV? It goes back to the person you're talking about you're dating. Oh, I don't give oral sex. It's penis in a penis in a hole, and that's the only thing. I mean, it's just so reductive. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the body count thing is funny. I actually made a TikTok like last summer during quarantine that was like, "Hey, babe, what's your body count?" And I'm, I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay. I thought you found the basement." Like, you know, the body type. <laughs> exactly, right? And I'm always reminds me of that body so Yeah, so no, you're right. <laughs> um, okay, so I have, um, I want to ask you two silly questions and then one final question. So the silly sure. questions are, <laughs> what, um, so on average, if you're not a celebrity, like say me, right? Um, how many people do you think masturbate to you? Like, do you think it's, you know, people that randomly see you? Do you think it's people, you know, is it like your friend's husband? Like I've never, I just, this came to me as like, like my epiphany. I was like, I gotta ask Dr. Jill about this because I think it's fascinating. I agree. It's fascinating. I'm trying to think how, if I know the answer to this, um, it's hard to say, obviously, obviously pretty subjective maybe, but I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I think it's safe to assume people have. I mean, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think. I wonder what the number is, though, right? I know. I know. It's um, interesting. Have you heard anything about celebrity-wise, like who is the most masturbated to, man or female? Like, would you would you know anything about that? I don't. I don't. I feel I would, like I've heard that said. But I mean, I feel like it would be someone that. like Jason Momoa or something like that, right? Because he's just like the um, embodiment of like what a, a male god god figure would look like, you know? Right, right. I well, know. I feel like people who have done porn, like the, like the uh, Carmen Electra, like people like that, who mm-hmm. they've actually seen having sex and have that image like imprinted mm-hmm. probably. So people like that, like anybody who's made a sex tape. Okay, that makes sense. Like people like that might, because there's okay. literally like that image is in someone's mind. It's easy to access. They don't have that to like create sense. a fantasy. That would be my stab in the dark guess about celebrities, but the average person, gosh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Ooh, that's a great question. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> How would you even survey people? Like, list it's, all the people you've ever masturbated to. I know. Sometimes, and sometimes I'm like, I'll masturbate to someone who's married or whatever. And, and then I'm like, oh, I feel guilty. I'm like, I, why am I feeling guilty? Nothing happened. Like, I just, just in my brain nothing yeah. happened they, they don't even know yeah. they don't even know about it yep. <laughs> so just so just so y'all know you're safe in your own brain okay just, you are um okay awesome. so talking about I'm gonna I want to talk about you a little bit um first of all I know that you said you are the only sexologist with three different types of degrees um yeah. in your field can you tell me yeah. what those three degrees are sure my ba- I have a bachelor's degree in sexuality, marriage, and family, and a master's of education degree in human sexuality education, and a PhD in human sexuality. Oh my gosh! Okay, and oh, you and you cool. knew from what? Like you were nine in ninth grade. You said, yeah, like you. Yeah. This was yeah. your calling. Calling. 
of all the things. That's incredible. <laughs> so do you, do you have a lot of your like girlfriends and guy friends coming to you and being like, Hey, Jill, like on the low, like I need advice for this. Or are you like, Hey, pay me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, there, yes. Um, early in my career, it would be hitting up for the advice. Um, yeah. uh, now it's, it's, yeah, they come, they pay me these yeah. days. <laughs> my has like, grown a lot. Here's my schedule, Larry. You can, you can, <laughs> yeah, I know. And we're so lucky to get you on the show to ask, answer all these amazing questions. Um, I just, I, I'm, you know what? It's so hard to talk to people about sex these days. They like, I, I, nobody wants to put questions out there. They'll only send them to me directly and anonymously. Um, and so to have this open discussion, I cannot thank you enough. And this is going to help so many people and so many relationships. Cause I just know that they don't want to ask the questions. They're too embarrassed. They're too scared. They're too conservative or whatever. Um, and they just don't, they don't want to talk about it outside of, you know, a very private setting. So maybe if they're just listening to this in their earphones, that's all, mm -hmm. that's all that has to be. <laughs> Let it soak in. Yes. When you're ready to talk about it, you will. I mean, I try to show the, inspire self-compassion, right? Cause like we weren't taught, like you said, like how we were all brought up where we were taught, like, just, you don't talk about this. So, you know, they're just doing what they were told. And, um, I get that it's scary when you don't, not used to talk. I mean, I talk about all day, every day. So I sometimes forget like somebody who wanted to write in a question, but felt like they couldn't, gosh, that might've been the first time they even had an opportunity like that in years. Yeah. So the yeah. people who submitted it, yeah, are brave. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for bringing the questions to me and sharing the answers with I folks. Know. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one more question. I ask this to everybody that comes on the podcast. Okay. If you could go back and meet 20 year old Jill and just, you know, if you saw her walk towards you, you got to give her a big hug and you got to tell her one thing. What is the one thing you would tell her? It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was so anxious. Yeah. I was so anxious. It's going to be fine. We're fine. Here we yeah. are at 36 and we're okay. We didn't need to worry. At 20. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I could tell that to myself when I woke up this morning though, like it's going to yeah. be, a, I've got so much going on this week. I'm like, I feel like I have to tell myself that now it's going to be okay, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but no regrets though. Right. Well, uh, oh, I mean, sure. I mean, there's things I'd change. Yeah. Like, if like, I could go back and give myself some intel, be like, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think personally and professionally, for sure, like, I would have started the business totally different. You know, it took me a long time to start making money because I basically ran it like a charity, wanted to give free advice to people all the time because I wanted to help, wanted to help, wanted to help. And then I'm like, I'm helping a lot of people. I'm really broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's those boundaries you said, like, you're my friend. I love you. I'll give you a discount, but we need to, uh, I have, this is my job, you know, so stuff like that and mm -hmm. ending certain relationships earlier. I think oh, ending yeah. relationships early, earlier is so smart mm -hmm. to say. And with, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I feel like putting out the information that I'm putting out right now, it's like free advice from the experts and I'm not getting paid anything for it right now, but I hope to eventually I'll say that yeah. I, I, it yeah. will happen eventually is when I'll, I'll put it out in the universe. I will. Yeah. 
eventually. Put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Jill, you are amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and I cannot wait for this to go up. I think it's going to be so helpful to so many. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. I really appreciate you taking the time for me. And um, it was really nice chatting with you. All right, dropouts. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that episode with Dr. Jill McDevitt. My mind's blown. I don't know about you. I learned a lot today. Um, I have to say, you know, being communicative and coming away with the fact that we are responsible for we like we alone can advocate, you know, for what we want in a relationship um, sexually. And we need to take into our own hands what we choose to do with the information if we're not sexually compatible with somebody that's obviously a huge deal and like needs to be addressed sooner than later i think those are my big two takeaways because as you heard in the episode there were certain things certain red flags that i was ignoring in my own recent relationship so i hope you took away something let me know if you're watching on youtube what you took away from today's episode or you can dm me on instagram if you don't feel comfortable putting it in a public forum as always um if you are watching on youtube like comment and subscribe don't forget to hit that notification bell so you're informed when my new episodes drop if you are listening on a streaming platform i'm so glad you're here with us and if you are on a platform that does allow you to review the podcast, I would love to get five stars from you and hear your thoughts. If not, I'm just so happy you're here. And as always, I'm sending all of you my love. Stay safe. And I will see you very soon. That's a wrap for this episode of The Luxury Dropout. Make sure to visit stephaniejoplin.com to find all of Steph's episodes, including full podcast descriptions and photos of her guests. Until next time, besties.